You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Had a great time this morning. We had our school chapel and we were all together in the auditorium. Usually we have two separate chapels and we do it in the fellowship hall. We had the first through 12th grade and we got to see the videos from uh, Miss Bethany and then from uh, Brother Trevor and Miss Sabrina and their family. And uh, then we got to hear Brother Rossi preach and we had a great time. And you know, the whole service for me, I loved every bit of it. But you know what was probably the most powerful part in my estimation was when Brother Rossi got done preaching and to see some of our young people. We, we haven't had an invitation in school chapels yet. We have, we're just getting started, and it's usually a little bit quicker. But to see Brother Rossi give the invitation and to see our young people get up and come forward and, and, uh, and talk to God and pray and, and, and take care of things that God has spoken to their heart about. I want to tell you, that fired me up. And Brother Rossi, I know you go a lot of places and preach to a lot of people, but I just want you to know you helped us this morning, that chapel. And it was, we had some of our church members that came, and we had a great time this morning. And uh, we're very excited about tonight. Now, I've asked Brother Rossi, and when we have a little bit more time tonight, I'm not saying, you know, you have to preach till midnight, but we've got a little more time tonight. But um, when you come, Brother Rossi, if you would maybe take a minute or two and talk about Awake America, if you feel led. I know you're very involved with that ministry, and you are very much an integral part of that. And then also, how many of you think it'd be a shame for for Brother Rossi's birthday to come and go while he's here, and for us not to do anything for him? Don't you think that'd be a shame? Now, I thought we could just do something for him. And that would be fine. And we've got something for you, Brother Rossi. This is uh, uh, something from our church. It's uh, just a couple gift cards to get some coffee, get some breakfast or whatever, maybe tomorrow. But we, we couldn't do cake and ice cream tonight. I, we probably should. But we had to do something sweet, right? You got If you're going to have a birthday party, I mean, you can't have vegetables, you know, or anything like that. So we've got, and uh, I don't have them in the lobby yet. I'm going to bring them out uh, after the service. But we've got some candy bars. How many of you think a candy bar might just be exactly what you need after the service, all right? Now, they're not out there now, so don't slip out during church because you're not going to find a candy bar, but we've got some candy we'll have out there just as you go if you want to take some, and I purposely didn't want to give it to you on the way in. I was afraid you'd eat it during church and get it all over the pews, but uh, Brother Rossi, if you don't mind, we're going to celebrate with you, and uh, we appreciate you being here. Let's dismiss the pastor's pals at this time, ages three and a half through the third grade, and uh, we'll let you go. Uh, Miss Donna, Tillery, thank you so much. You'll get things going in there. And then uh, the Denos, thank you all so much for being willing to speak to the children. And Brother Rossi, if you'll come, and we've got this for you uh, for your birthday, a little something for you. And let's give him a big hand the last night of the revival. And uh, thank you, Brother Rossi. We love thank you, you Pastor. Thank God for you. There's thank you. you thank you, Pastor. Too. All right, thank you so much. And uh, Pastor asked, uh, how many of you think you ought to do something for Brother Rossi? And I said, amen, I was the only one. Uh, anyway, hope you didn't think I was being greedy, but I said, yeah, absolutely. But uh, how many of you are glad to be saved tonight? Say amen. Good to be in the house of God. And uh, I have so uh, enjoyed our stay here these last two days and been such a blessing to come back here to Victory Baptist. Pastor took me over to school today and uh, gave us a little tour. And man, what, uh, what great things the Lord hath done over there. 
And uh, that is awesome what God is doing. And uh, never get over that because that is, uh, that just doesn't happen. And it's amazing. I was with a gentleman uh, in Delaware this summer. We preached in a camp meeting in Delaware. And the Lord just gave that pastor an incredible amount of land, a beautiful place outside of the city of Laurel. And now the pastor's given you that beautiful property over there. Uh, the Lord's doing some good things, amen? And uh, some, uh, we always talk about how bad it is. And um, I'm not going to say it's not bad. It is bad. It's real bad. What's going on in America, what's going on in our country, uh, it's as bad as it can get. But God is still working. He's still moving, and we're thankful for this. And uh, just being around uh, Pastor and uh, Mrs. Coburnat, they had us over to their house today. They fed us Italian food. <laughs> Amen. Uh, that's preaching fuel. Amen. Somebody said, well, fried chicken. No, spaghetti. Manicotti. And uh, I mean, that was great. And uh, they had great, uh, just a great time. And we got to hang out uh, with two of the girls. And uh, they were there doing building blocks, the younger girls. And they were having such a time. And they said, you know, we love building these little castles. And then Mike always knocks them down. But anyway, and uh, what do you think little boys are? Amen. Little, you know what a little boy is, don't you? Noise with dirt on it. Amen. Uh, that's, uh, I was preaching and a man and I showed a fellow a picture, and his boy had mud all over his face, and it was a cute little picture. I said, isn't that something? And he said, yeah, okay. I said, and he kind of was bothered about it. I said, man, isn't that something? These uh, boys, they, uh, only a boy. I, I, don't, I don't think a boy is real going to ever be a man if he doesn't eat dirt once in a while when he's little. Uh, all little boys eat dirt. And a fellow, he said, I've never eaten dirt. Man, I want to go help him. Amen? I want to introduce him to a dirt ball. But anyway, uh, I mean, uh, how many grew up with, how many had a little family? There were some girls and some boys. I had four sisters and three brothers. I was the youngest out of four brothers. I was the youngest brother. We'll have a support group meeting after service tonight. And... Uh, Whatever they saw on TV, they experimented on me. And, I mean, they would watch, watch WrestleMania on TV and uh, do reverse helicopter spins. And they'd, come on over here, Lou, baby. And they'd do all that stuff to me. And, I mean, uh, man, it was crazy. And uh, it didn't affect me a bit at all. But anyway, I mean, it was good. But uh, I grew up in the generation where we didn't use uh, helmets for bicycles. We, uh, we had skateboards. You said, oh, you did? Oh, yeah. We took a two-by-four. And if you had a two by six, that was even better. Cut it down, you took a skate, you know, the kind that had a key, you took it apart, and we'd either nail it, if you were really fancy, I'd screw it in there and have it hooked on the other side. We'd point downhill and go as fast as we could. And uh, I mean, and when you get to the bottom, pretty much the, the stop was normally had something to do with a crash. We knocked teeth out. We broke legs, arms, you name it. Uh, we had mini bikes. And uh, man, we grew up with those early mini bikes. I, I had a Sears, two and a half horsepower. It was the slowest thing ever, but I took the governor off, fixed it all up, hopped it up, changed out the sprocket. My buddy had a five horsepower rup, man. His was a nice one. And he fell over and cut his heel all open and uh, his dad left it at my house about for five or six months I had this rough five horsepower fixed it all up that was our transportation I mean you know that was my car and we get around and uh, we ramped those things my buddy ramped his uh, he, he ramped it and it went just like this on the ramp 
boom, straight down, knock all of his teeth out. I mean, he was messed up, but he's still alive. He's fine. He looks a little different than he was, but I mean, we made it. Amen to that? Now we've got, you know, little restraining devices for every little thing. I never even heard of a car seat. Our family had an old Studebaker. It was only designed for five people. And uh, my dad had a big old glass window in the back with a package tray. And uh, whoever was bad had to be smashed up in that package tray. And uh, that's what we did. And uh, that's how we lived. And then he got, man, he went upscale and he got a big old Mercury station wagon. And it was one of those ones that the, the back seat faces out the back. And brother, I mean, you get car sick. We call it the car sick mobile. And uh, you'd say, you're in the back. Oh, no. And we'd, we'd, uh, man, we'd try to get to the front. But uh, that's how we lived. It was all good. But you know what all that was, really? That was what America was all about. You worked and you got paid. You worked hard and you got paid more. A boy knocked on my door last, just a, a last summer and he knocked on the door, hey, Mr. Rossi. I said, hey, how you doing, son? He said, I'd like to cut your lawn. I said, okay, uh, let's see. Yeah, it's a pretty good-sized lawn. I said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you $20. He said, I want $50, $50 to cut my lawn. I used to cut lawns for $3 all day and 50 bucks. I said, all right, I'll give you 25 He said, no, sir. He walked away. And don't you know, I saw him a couple days later cutting somebody's lawn, $50 a shot, but uh, at least he was working. And uh, we're living in a different world. People are now staying home, $600, $650 a week to stay home. And uh, our nation is in a lot of trouble. But I'm glad to say there is a really good ministry right now in New York excuse me, Washington, it's bad enough to be in Washington, New York is even worse, but it's up in Washington, D.C., and Pastor Mike Creed, uh, I was preaching a revival like this uh, years ago with him, and he said, Brother Ross, you've been starting to visit uh, Capitol Hill and just made paying visits to some of the you know, offices up there. I said, you can do that? He said, oh yeah, would you like to go? I said, sure. We went up and paid a visit to some of the congressmen and walked in on them and uh, said hi. Some of them were quite open and receptive. Then a few years later, he started to uh, do that more and more, and that birthed in his heart, Awake America. And uh, really, the goal of Awake America is bringing men of God to men of government. And that's how our, na how our nation was built. Uh, America was never built on separation of church and state. America was built on the fact that the government had no business telling us what to do through the churches. But that did not mean men of God did not visit leaders, pray for them, call on God with them. In fact, the, very, uh, the, con the congressional committee that met after the war between Great Britain and began to work for several days in Philadelphia on the Constitution of the United States. And they put together a great committee of men. You would know their names if you read them. And as they worked on that Constitution, they had such uh, conflict going on. There was some bickering. There was fighting. And one of the men, one of the, uh, one of the moderators said, Men, I believe we should take several days for prayer and fasting to seek the mind of God that we might be brought together. They did exactly that. And if you read the Constitution of the United States through if cover to cover, it is one of the most ingenious, I mean, beyond normal thinking documents 
that the world has ever produced. And our Constitution is unbelievable. I personally believe it was directed uh, wonderfully by the Spirit of God for our nation. Now we have a nation that's in turmoil. And I think the only answer, of course, is for God to send revival. And I'm so glad that Pastor Creed, Awake America, and that ministry is involved in bringing men like your pastor to come up there to Washington, D.C. And the first thing that strikes your mind, number one, we can actually go in and meet with them. And the more I go there, the more times I've been there, the other thing that strikes my mind is how small the government really is. It's not this vast, huge thing. It is actually fairly small. And you and I can have an influence. And then the third thing that strikes me is how needy and desperately needy our uh, congressmen and congresswomen are and our senators and our representatives. They are needy for God. We had the last meeting in March of 2020 we had, it was in the video, it was in uh, one of the rooms that was shown there, and we'd have the representatives come in the last day all throughout the conference and speak to us and share their heart and ask us to pray for them. And every representative, every one, when they came in, they, every one of them began to cry. And they said, there's such oppressive darkness. There is such a spirit of demonic uh, warfare in our nation's capital, and they said, please, please pray for us. They shared their heart with us. And the very next day, the, the last day of our conference, the next day, the Capitol closed, America shut down. It was the last day before the lockdown with COVID-19. And the Capitol has never opened back up. And I'm, I'm afraid it may not ever open back up. Do you know that the mayor of Washington, D.C. yesterday made the announcement that all of the schools in the D.C. proper, the D.C. area, all schools, all teachers must be vaccinated, all students must be vaccinated, whether they're private or public schools, Christian, Catholic, whatever they call themselves, that is their, the, the, mayoral, uh, the mayoral mandate that was handed down yesterday in our nation's capital. Some of you in this room fought for our country. Some of you have gone overseas. Our son-in-law came back in yesterday or Monday and he came in from uh, a six-month deployment to Afghanistan. He was involved in flying missions over Afghanistan. He flew over Kabul airport many times over the last few weeks. And I can tell you, that it, what seems like an impossibility uh, can happen very quickly. A nation can unravel. A nation can come apart. I want to say to every veteran, every veteran in this room, we owe you a great debt of gratitude. And the world can say what they want, that, and the, even the president can say what he wants. You going to Afghanistan or Iraq or Vietnam was not in vain. We're thankful for your service. Do I have an amen to that? Amen. We're thankful for our military, our elected, our, our public servants. We're grateful for our police, our firefighters, our EMTs. We're thankful for all of you. And uh, that's what Awake America does. 
It stirs us up about these things. We support it uh, monthly. Our church supports it uh, monthly. And the more I get involved, the more we support it, not the less, because it's one of the last things we have uh, to really endeavor to turn America back to God again. I want to speak tonight from Matthew chapter 24. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24. And I would like to begin reading tonight in verse number 3, the book of Matthew, chapter number 24. While you're turning there, and while you're standing for the reading of the Word of God, please, if you can do that, uh, I again want to thank Pastor for allowing us to come. It's a real privilege for us to be here. And uh, my secretary said, you preach every year on your birthday. I said, how many, you like, how many want to do something that you like on your birthday? <laughs> Turkey hunting's not in season. <laughs> so, and, uh, and I sold my boat, so I can't go fishing. But I'm going to tell you that uh, I'd rather preach than anything else. So I'm doing what I like. This is what I enjoy. Somebody said, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And God's been good to me. God has been good to my wife and I. The Lord has just blessed us in so many ways. And uh, I'm thankful to be here at this great place. Matthew chapter 24, verse number 3. I've asked you to turn there. And how many of you think I should too? Matthew 24, verse number 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines, and pestilence says, and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the what? Beginning of sorrows. All these are the beginning of sorrows. I want to speak for a little while out of that chapter of the Bible, and I want to preach on the subject, the birth pains of deliverance. The birth pains of deliverance, or the beginning of sorrows the beginning of sorrows. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for allowing us to be here tonight. We pray for your blessing, your power, your goodness and grace to reside upon this place. Thank you for what you will do. We give you praise for all that you are. And Father, we are asking that you will give us wisdom and righteousness and power as we preach the word of God. May your hand rest on us tonight. Thank you for that, which you will do. 
We give you the praise and glory together, for it's in Jesus' name we pray, all of God's people said. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for so long. If you say amen and pay attention real well, I'll preach short and uh, we'll get to our candy bar. Amen to that. The Lord Jesus, if you study your Bible, uh, the Lord Jesus had come into the city of Jerusalem uh, on the days of his triumphal entry. Christ came into the city, and for a very brief amount of time, the whole world, the whole city had gone out, and they threw palm branches in front of him. And when he came in on this colt, the foal of a donkey, as he walks in, they say, Hosanna to the son of David. Uh, blessed is he who cometh in the name of the Lord. He had literally come in, and they recognized him for a brief moment that he was indeed the Messiah of God. Christ immediately goes to the temple, and you know the account where Jesus came into the city and he overturned uh, the money changers and their table. He literally said, my house should be called uh, the house of prayer and ye have made it a den of thieves. Christ made it very clear that his kingdom was not of this world. He made it very clear that he was going to go away to his father. And then when he came back, he would come in the clouds and receive us unto himself. And I believe that day is coming very, very, very soon. In fact, Jesus may come tonight, and if he does, there'll be nothing here but a pair of set of clothes, a little pair of shoes, a few other items. We won't even eat the candy bars. We won't need them. We'll be absent from the body and present with the Lord, and we'll leave those candy bars for the devil and his crowd. Amen? But I'm saying to you tonight, he made it very clear what it was going to be like at the end of the age. He goes into the temple, and they begin to show him all the buildings of the temple. They said, look at these buildings that uh, Herod is now building. Herod was building the second temple. He was overlaying it with gold. In fact, at the time of Christ, the renovation was full underway. Eventually, Herod would literally uh, overlay the entire building with gold, and it would be a, an incredibly magnificent place. But so they're showing him the temple. They're showing him the greatness of the temple. Jesus says to them, so there, in verse number two, he says, there, said, Verily I say unto you, see not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left one stone, left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. They are in shock. Their minds are uh, literally rattled. They're thinking to themselves, wait a minute, this is a house of God. This is God's temple. This is God's building. And the Lord is letting them know it's all going to come down. It literally was going uh, to be disassembled. Titus and the Roman, uh, Roman hordes came in 70 AD, and the soon-be Roman emperor Titus came in and literally leveled the city of Jerusalem. They burned the temple, and when they burned the temple, Temple, all the gold melted down between the cracks of all the stones, and he ordered his men to disassemble uh, the temple, building by, stone by stone to capture the gold so that they could remove those stones away. So Jesus' prophecy was absolutely fulfilled. He said, everything is going to be thrown down. Now the disciples say, tell us when these things shall be. They said in verse 3, uh, take, or he said in verse number 3, Three. 
As he sat upon the Mount of Olives, understand the Mount of Olives is directly adjacent to the Temple Mount. If you were to go down into the uh, the Kidron Valley and come back up the other side, the Temple is on one side. The Mount of Olives is directly across on the other. As the crow flies, probably uh, only about a half a mile, but you have a long walk down and then a long walk all the way back up. And he sets down on the Mount of olives he is looking at the temple and he begins to say to them as he sets down uh, to his disciples they said tell us when shall these things be what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world immediately reminds them take heed that no man deceive you of course there would be many who would come and say i am christ uh, go not after them. We've had many false Christs. We've had many false teachers. We had the Millerites who went out on a mountain and said, uh, Jesus is going to come in the 1800s. Another time, a few years later, we've had people say, I am the Messiah. We had David Koresh, and then we had other, like the, uh, the cult out in California a few years back. We've had all kinds of false Christs who've arise and said, I am the Christ. And he said, don't let anyone deceive you. And he began to give a great list of things that would happen before the time of the end. Much of what he talks about occurs during the tribulation period. Much of the things that he deals with in Matthew chapter 24 is a post-rapture chapter in your Bible. But he says to them, you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. He said, let no man deceive you. There, you're going to hear about wars. See that you be, verse 6, see that you be not what? Troubled. All these things must come to pass, but the end is not year. In the nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in diverse places. Now understand the fact that we are living in a generation where the wars are beginning to heat up. He said nation would rise against nation. And the word for nation there is the same word that we would translate for ethnicity. It is a word that we translate from a word ethnos, which means ethnicity. There would be racial wars. We have racial turmoil all over the world. Do you have an amen? I mean, He's come back in full swing. I grew up in the 60s uh, in the city of Baltimore. I remember the riots and there was a lot of going on with all the racial tension. Now it's come back with all kinds of groups that are basically Marxist-oriented. They are not godly. They're not American. And they want our nation divided and torn up from the inside out. There are tribal wars all over the world. There are uh, Sunnis against the Shias. There are tribes and ethnicity, eth- ethnic groups that are fighting and bickering and literally killing one another tonight. He said, nation would rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Now the kingdom idea is a big, large nation uh, such as the U.S. against another large nation. It would be uh, a nation that is fighting such as uh, a nation like uh, Iran fighting with Israel or however you would put it, uh, kingdom against 
kingdom. Do you understand that is happening even tonight? I remember a few months ago when I first uh, developed this message uh, that at the time that literally Hamas was uh, launching rockets every day into, as far as they could into Israel. They were shooting at Tel Aviv. They were shooting rockets at Jerusalem. They were shooting some several thousand rockets a day. And uh, at the end of that brief war, they shot more than 8,000 rockets at Israel. The Israelis shot uh, only uh, far less than that back, but the whole world turned on Israel. They said Israel was at fault. Listen, friends, if somebody comes and starts shooting rockets at you, somebody starts shooting at you, what are you going to do? I hope you will shoot back. Do not say, well, I'm saved. Amen. God bless you. No, I think somebody comes in and shooting at your house, shooting at your children. I think you would be wise to defend your family and shoot back. But no, Israel doesn't have that right. And public and global uh, sentiment has now turned on the nation of Israel. I read last night, uh, or the, this afternoon rather, that uh, the, the United States is officially uh, working at canceling our financial support of the nation of Israel. When that happens officially, friends, we are in trouble whether we know it or not. But God said nation would rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And understand tonight, that the northern war that is spoken of in Ezekiel 38, I wanted to preach on that but didn't have liberty this week. I have an entire message on the Gog-Magog war, the Ezekiel 38 war. Do you understand there's going to be a day when the northern forces of Turkey and Russia and Persia or Iran and the uh, the forces of Syria and other smaller Spanish nation, nations such as Afghanistan, Pakistan, others, they will join forces uh, with Libya and others and have a global, uh, a, a, a global conglomerate group that come together from the north of Israel out of Lebanon and Syria and they will attack Israel and God said they would come in Ezekiel 38 like a cloud and as a storm and they will descend upon the people of God. Right now, tonight, if you were seated in the city of Jerusalem, if you were seated right in the center of that great city, my wife and I were there uh, the night before uh, the, the embassy was dedicated. It was a great time. The Israelis were dancing, and I'm not talking about the wild uh, dancing that they do in discotheques. I mean, they were doing uh, these uh, Jewish dances, and the kids were out there right in the middle of the square. It was a very happy, exciting time. We walked up the street, and they had big banners that says, Israel loves Donald Trump. You couldn't even put that in Raleigh-Durham, amen? You couldn't put that up in your neighborhood. They said, we love America. We love Trump. And they were dedicating the American embassy the next day. Little did many of those people know at the same time, Hamas was bringing in rockets out of Iran uh, by the thousands into the Gaza Strip. At the same time, Hezbollah uh, to the north up in Lebanon was arming themselves to the teeth. At the same moment, uh, troops were moving in from Russia into Syria and other proxy nations. At the very same time, Islamic Jihad was building a force over in Jordan and all the way down to the south in Yemen, the Houthis were getting together large amounts of ordnance and rockets and weapons and they are poised literally to attack Israel and this little war that we had uh 
back in late July and August was nothing more than a dry-run dress rehearsal uh, for the next attack when they're going to bring not a hundred, not a thousand. Right now, tonight, Hezbollah has 140,000 rockets trained on Israel as I speak. They're getting ready for a full-blown global attack. I've got good news for you. They're going to bring their attack. It's going to seem like all is lost, and God himself is going to intervene and wipe out, uh, according to the Bible, six out of ten of them are going to die who come against God's chosen people. How many believe tonight that Israel's the apple of God's eye? And that means, you say, well, I like apples. Oh, he what? no, uh, the apple meaning the pupil of God's eye. God looks at the world through that little tiny nation the size of New Jersey, just that little tiny place that you can go by, go all around in just a few days if you drive your car even at a normal pace. And we understand tonight, Jesus said in Luke chapter 19, he made it clear, he said, when you see Jerusalem compassed when and you when you shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies then know the desolation thereof is nigh he said when they're encircled when they're encompassed they're encompassed tonight and you say well what does that mean for us it means that Jesus is getting ready to come back this means that Christ is getting to return you say wait a minute pastor I mean he's coming back does that mean we're not going to have Christmas this year? Does that mean we're not uh, young girls? Does that mean we're not, going to, we're not going to get married? Oh, my. Listen, would you rather stay on this earth and marry Bubba, or would you rather go to the marriage supper of the Lamb? Would you rather go with Jesus and spend eternity with him in the presence of God? I understand we all have plans, and I want to see my little boy grow up and play baseball and football and basketball. I get all that, but I'm saying to you tonight, I'm talking about us going to heaven for all of eternity. No more sickness, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears to dim the eye. I'm saying tonight, he made it clear. When you see these things come to pass, he said, what shall be the sign of thy coming? Now, he began to mention other things, famines, pestilences, earthquakes, and an article entitled Interesting Engineering, July of 2021. The writer said, quote, locusts are, are swarming across East Africa, threatening local food supplies and basic livelihood, reports the journal Nature. At least 20 million people are in danger as scientists and governments rush to bring these insects under control. Listen to this. The outbreak today, and this was in July, coincides with, with the site, coincides with cyclones in 2018. The warm weather of 2019, compounded by unseasonably heavy rains. I, I guess Mr. Biden would call it climate change. But anyway, the scientists detected vast swarms at the beginning of 2020 in Somalia and Ethiopia. Afterward, the insects spread wild across countries like Kenya, where there had been a constant plague-like presence for 70 years. Listen to this. Previously, Kenya saw an incredibly large swarm occupy, I saw a video of this, an area of 2,400 square kilometers. That's 926 square miles covered by these locusts, more than three times the size 
of New York City. A swarm of locusts typically occupies 100 square kilometers, but even at this smaller size, between four and eight billion locusts are flying, buzzing around inside, collectively capable of eating the equivalent of what three and a half million people can eat in a single day. That's just, that's mind-boggling. You're not going to see that on CNN. You're not going to see that on ABC. You're not going to see that on CBS. You're never going to read that there are, there are documented, there are potential side effects to the COVID-19 vaccine. In fact, you understand a few months ago when this sordid group flew from Texas to avoid having to vote and couldn't fulfill their constitutional duty and their paid uh, job to fly away and they all got COVID-19. Did you hear the commentary? They'd all been vaccinated and the commentary was this. Yeah, they're vaccinated and they all got the vaccine so you all better get vaccinated. Wait a minute. <laughs> so uh, vaccination is a personal health choice. It is a choice you're going to make. It is a choice I will make. It is a choice for my family and your family. It's not something for a preacher to tell you to do. It's not something I would ever tell you to do, but there are certain side effects. I have no doubt some of you in the room have been vaccinated and uh, you uh, are fine with that and I'm fine with that. But understand, we're not being told half the side on a number of issues of life uh, right now in America. And there are forces that are working together to bring us together uh, under a great blanket, a great umbrella called the global community. Go home and look up the World uh, Economic Forum. Go home and look up the Davos Forum. Go up and look under Klaus Schwab and his vision for the world. And it's mind-boggling. It's insanity when you look at what they desire to do. Their great desire is to bring us under a one-world economy, a one-world military, a one-world global rule. Did you know that in Del Rio, Texas, earlier this week, did you know that UN peacekeeping forces landed in Del Rio to try to bring order out of the chaos there for the immigration crisis? Yeah. I said, crisis? Yeah. Well, it's not a problem. Oh, uh, Miss Harris said it's not a problem, so it's not a problem. Miss Harris, the, uh, the, the problem we have at our border is an absolute crisis of incredible proportion. Do I have an amen to that? But no, they'd much rather wave us off and help us uh, get, bring up a diversion like climate change. They'd much rather bring up a diversion like vaccination or something else like that. And the real problem with the world, even more than China, even more than in Russia was announced yesterday by our esteemed elected officials or stolen elected officials, they have told us, they had the nerve to say that even more than China, more than Russia, our greatest enemy are the unvaccinated people. Can you even believe that? Don't get near us. If you're, if you're not, are you vaccinated? Excuse me. God bless you. Oh, you're, you're part of the walking dead. But I'm saying to you tonight uh, that we have been duped on multiple levels and it's all happening on purpose. It's not, and this is not an accident. Their goal, according to Revelation 13, is going to get us finally to a place where no man can buy or sell 
except to receive the mark in their right hand and in their forehead. And don't walk out of here and say, Brother Ross, he said the vaccine is the mark of the beast. Amen? Hey, in order to have the mark of the beast, you first have to have a what? First, you have to have a beast. You have to have the Antichrist. God said he's not going to be revealed until he who now letteth is taken out of the way. Until the great restrainer, the Holy Spirit, is removed, then the, the beast will be revealed and all will have to receive the mark. You say, I know who he is. It's one of the little two-year-olds in our nursery. No, he, he's not, he, he is not the beast. I mean, I'm telling you, the worst words of any nursery are these. You ready for this? Pastor, there's a biter in the nursery. <laughs> There's not only a biter, he's a stalking biter, amen? Oh, man, there's a biter. Well, there's a biter. Oh, what's his name? Well, actually, it's a little girl. And uh, that's the worst thing is a little female stalking biter. But I'm saying that they, even though that little child takes a chomp out of another child once in a while, he is probably not the Antichrist, so rest at ease. I'm saying he's going to come. All these things are getting us ready for global conditioning, for uh, global conforming, for saying yes without really weighing out the odds. We were locked down last year. We were on full lockdown. Churches were closed for months on end, waiting for approval from the government. We finally decided, well, that's enough of that. And uh, we're going to have Memorial Day weekend. We're going to honor our veterans. We're going to put flags all over this property. We had a flag uh, that was taller than that ceiling on the front of our building and set up a big outdoor service where they could hear us out on the street. And uh, man, we had patriotic music and singing going on and people saying amen. I said, if the police come by, wave at them. The police were driving by. They were beeping the horns. Yeah, cheering at us. And I said, if they come in and try to close us down, we're going to have one of our officers come up on the platform and lead us in the pledge to the flag before they close us down. And I can tell you, none of that happened. We finally took a stand and said, that's enough. But I'm saying, are we really open and are we seeing what's going on? You say, it's Joe Biden, it's Kamala Harris. No, here's what's really going on. God is culminating all things. God is bringing all things to a close. God is in charge. He sets up one, puts, he, puts, he puts down one and sets up another. The Bible said in Romans chapter 13 uh, that uh, to, to obey and to submit ourselves to the higher powers, there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. I'm not saying that God uh, is behind Joe Biden, but God knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly where we're heading. He is moving this world in a direction and all of it's going to happen because Jesus is going to come. And here's what he said. When all these things start happening, verse 8, all these, all these are the what? Beginning of sorrows. Is everybody here? Is everybody okay? Have I only offended half of you so far? All right. I'm not trying to do that, and I'm not trying to cause trouble. I'm just trying to warn you to wake up and see what's really going on in this world. 
There is so much disinformation being pumped over the airways and over the internet at videos and, and articles one way or the other about our health concerns and on and on. Be wise, be vigilant, be sober, be careful what you listen to and be careful. Fact check what you read uh, before you just believe it. Somebody say amen, please. All these are the beginning of sorrows. The word, this phrase means birth pangs. This phrase, the beginning of sorrows, means the beginning of labor. It is the picture of a mama about to give birth to her baby. It means that when the birth pangs finally come, that the baby is going to be delivered and the baby is going to be born. I was asked today a question I've been asked probably a hundred times in the last few months. Have you ever seen this many things happen in such a short amount of time? And the answer is a resounding no. I'm only 65. I'm still young. Now, some of you that are older than me ought to be saying amen to that because that helps pull you back down too. So, I mean, I'm 65 yesterday. I'm still young. I still feel pretty young. I don't feel old, and I, I've, I'm stirred up about everything. I still have a good memory and appreciate, uh, you know, Pastor Larry so much. He's such a blessing. I mean, we, but we, uh, I, I forget things, so now I write things down. Amen? A dull pencil is better than a sharp mind. And, but I've never seen it on this wise. I've never seen all these things that God spoke about, wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, pestilence. And by the way, pestilence is disease. We're in a pandemic, amen? Pestilence, uh, famine, uh, all the things that are going on, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, worldwide deception on multiple levels of life. I've never seen happening uh, what's happening tonight. If you read the rest of the list, he talks about the love of men. Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold, and on and on. But look at this. All these are the beginning of sorrows. The baby is about to be born. The deliverance is about to come. Romans 8.20, God says, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Not only they, but ourselves, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. The picture there again is a birth. The picture there again is the groaning of childbirth. It's the pain that comes along with it. Women, you know what that means. Men, uh, we try to be there and be a support and everything else, but women know what it's like to give birth, and I can tell you this, uh, they're very strong. If men had babies, we'd be at zero birth population in six months. Amen? I mean, after the first one, that's it. No more of them. Amen? I mean, women have a much stronger pain threshold than men do, believe it or not. And yet, they labor, they bring forth, and they know when they're about to 
give birth. They, they start nesting. They start doing things. You can see it. And their spirit begins to uh, change a bit. And sure enough, they're getting ready. They're heading toward uh, the birthing place. And eventually that little baby comes forth. And it comes forth with great sorrow. It comes forth with pain. It comes forth with a lot of things that we would never choose as a part of the curse. Do you understand? It's a perfect picture. The world is groaning. The world is crying out. The world knows, and you know, you know in your heart that something's not right. Do I have an amen? amen. You know something is just not right. Dear lady in our church said, I don't feel like, it's weird. I don't even feel like I belong in this world anymore. I said, how about a stranger and a foreigner? How about a stranger and a pilgrim? I think the whole reset that's occurred after the pandemic, other things that are happening, I think God is uncoupling us from this world. I think God is taking our heartstrings away. And as the people of God, we're thinking about what really matters, what really does matter. It's living for God. It's getting people saved. It's getting the gospel out to the four corners of the earth. It's letting people know that there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and to get people in the UK, and to get people in Italy, and get others anywhere around the world, in the capital, in D.C. It's amazing how open they are to the gospel of Jesus Christ. You saw they're just all gospel hardened. I find most people are gospel ignorant. They think they have to do all kinds of things to get saved. They can't believe that it's as simple as saying, I believe that Christ suffered and died and bled for me, and that he rose from the dead, and I put my faith and trust in him. They're waiting for a warm and fuzzy. They're waiting for a Gnostic experience. I have a whole uh, message on the false Gnostic gospel that's invaded America, experiential uh, religion and all that comes with it. Uh, sure, we like feelings. Sure, we like amens. Uh, you ought to feel saved once in a while. Do I have an amen to that? Once in a while to do something for you. But it's all about putting faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. And tonight, the birth pangs. I'm, off the, I'm way off the subject. I've never done that before. I've never run one of these rabbit trails. Anyway, let me move right along. During this great, incredible panoramic view that Jesus gives his disciples of what the end would be like, he shows them what the tribulation would be like. He shows them much of what the day of the Lord would be like. He shows them what it would be like when Jesus finally comes from heaven and what the world condition would be. I would challenge you to go home and read the book of Revelation cover to cover. I would challenge you to go home and read the book of Daniel and find out about his Colossus vision and the great four kingdoms of this world, the last of which we are in. Go home and read Daniel chapter 9 about the one who would confirm the covenant with many for one week and start looking at what's going on in the world in the light of that. It's all lining up very, very fast. And tonight, after this great panoramic view, Jesus says this in verse 32, I'm almost done. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. 
So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near even at what? The doors. Our kids went off to college and man, they come home for Thanksgiving and whether they drove or flew, where are you? Well, I'm in the airport, I'm halfway here, I'm getting on the plane. If they were driving, where are you now? Oh, we're coming through Tennessee, we're almost there, we just passed through Memphis, oh, we're on the way there. We were so excited when they were coming home. And one of our daughters always brought a gigantic bag of laundry. She was so excited to come home. And uh, man, she would drive with her friends and she'd get to the front door and uh, she'd open, open the door, I'm home! I mean, she didn't stand outside. Hmm, should I come in for a little bit? What do you think? Well, I'm here, I think I'll wait a little while. No, she gets to the door. When she gets to that door, what's she doing? She's coming in, brother. And, uh, and that bag of laundry's coming with her right in the door. I mean, uh, we're ready. And I mean, excited to come home, happy to be there. Jesus said his coming, when you see this happen, oh is near, Amen. even at the doors. And on May 14th, May 14th of 1948, a miracle occurred. The UN General Assembly concluded the last deciding vote was cast. And about 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, the great announcement was made that, this, that Israel was now officially declared the Jewish state. Israel was reborn. No nation has ever been reborn. No nation that's gone extinct has ever come back to life again. But God said in Isaiah 66 verse 8, Who hath heard such a thing? Who hath seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Shall a nation be born at once? Or as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. The birth pangs of deliverance. When that, when that uh, announcement was made, Israel was immediately attacked by some 48 nations surrounding it. Jordan, Transjordan, all these other nations came. They came to wipe them out. They literally defended themselves with primitive weapons, with, uh, with uh, muzzle loaders and muskets, and somehow or another against high-powered weapons, God gave them the victory. God gave them their land back, and Israel was born. And I say that that moment, that second, God's prophetic time clock began to tick again. And we started moving toward the 70th week of Daniel's prophecy. Man, I got saved and I started reading all those Oliver Green books on the book of Revelation. I got saved, listened to Oliver Green. I've had people from this church give me pictures. I still have them uh, of the revival that was up here. And some of you got saved in those Oliver Green meetings and, and uh, you're still around. Say amen to that. Oliver Green, he preached on hell. A brother, uh, my brother-in-law would pick me up in the morning. My car broke down for a month. It was a brand new car. I was lost as a ball in high weeds. I was running from God as fast as I could. He would pick me up and he would get a, he'd get in the car. He'd turn it on. He had just gotten saved, 7 in the morning. It's the gospel hour with Dr. Oliver Green B. Green. And brother, that's the last thing in the world, a hungover, leftover hippie rock and roller wanted to hear at about seven in the morning, uh, bleary-eyed driving to work, and I'd hear him preach all the way to work. And as we pulled in the gate, I'd hear, Father, save that soul that's near as hell today. 
Man, I got saved. He's the first one I started listening to. Sent off and got all of his books in the book of Revelation, the judgment of God. It seemed like Oliver Green always preached on hell and the judgment and the fact that Jesus is coming. You know why? Because he believes there is a place called a lake of fire. He believed there is a fact that Jesus is going to come. He believed there is eternity. And he would pray that God would stamp eternity on our, on our eyeballs. We are this close. We are this close. We are this close to the coming of the Lord. We are this close to the day of the Lord. I believe I'm looking into the face of children who will never die. I believe I'm looking into the face of children. And the Bible says the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Brother, that's gonna happen. It's gonna happen soon. Then he says, wherefore comfort one another with these words. Man, I mean, just driving home tonight. Oh, that was a good meeting, wasn't it, honey? Yeah, it sure was. All of a sudden, you're going to hear, Teruah, dun, 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 the Jewish sound of the Feast of Trumpets, Teruah. I mean, all of a sudden, dun, 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 dun. it's not really a brass trumpet. It's a ram's horn, and it's a horrible sound. You're going to hear it, and suddenly Jesus is going to come. I believe that. I'm telling you tonight, as sure as I'm standing here, I believe that's going to happen. The Bible talks about that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. He's coming. I believe he's on the way. I believe that the angel that's going to blow that trumpet. Now, if it was brass, he'd have to take a few minutes and warm it up. You ever hear a trumpeter? What are you doing? Warming it up so it's on tune. I don't know if you have to do that with a ram's horn, but maybe so. Getting ready. He's going to take that shofar. He's going to hold it up high. He's going to blow it as loud as he can. And man, they're going to shout. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. And I believe that shout is going to be the Hebrew word, Teruah. And then they're going to say, and they're going to blow that trumpet. And Jesus is going to come. You said, you've lost your mind. Amen. I probably have. You're nuts. I probably am, but I'm screwed onto the right bolt. Amen. And understand tonight that Jesus made it very clear. When you see these things come to pass, know that it is near even at the doors. But that day and hour knoweth no man, know not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. I won't have time to tell you about the Jewish feast of Rosh Hashanah. It's called the feast that no man can know. It's the feast of a new moon. They don't know exactly when it's going to come. They don't know the day or the hour. It's a two-day feast. It's really only one, but it's one day from the moment they see a new moon, and they call it the feast that no man can know the day or the hour. That's what he's referring to. Only the Father knows, but as the days of Noah were, like it was in that day, eating, drinking, marrying, and all those things. I need to close. I appreciate you being gracious and I appreciate your time. What about us? God wants us to be watchful. He wants us to be watching and waiting and hasting 
unto the coming of the day of God. Now, I'm not your pastor, so I can't call an official vote, but let's take a vote. Let's take a vote. <clears throat> let's take a vote right now, this church body. How many would say, it would be good for me if Jesus comes back this week? It'll be good. That's a pretty good congregation. That's a pretty good vote. One lady just got her daughter married. She told me all about it. <laughs> Come Lord Jesus. I mean, and I mean, it's going to happen. There's nothing in this world that's worth waiting for, amen? amen. Not one thing. You say, I didn't get my buck this year. It's all right. Don't worry about it. You might miss him anyway. I mean, don't. Be watching. Verse 42, he said, watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. Be ready. Verse 44, therefore be also ready. For in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Be in prayer. Of that day and hour no man knoweth no man, know not the angels which are heaven in heaven. Take heed, watch and pray. He said in Mark 13, 33, be trusting. You say, I, this is hard. That's right. That's because we can't always foresee what's going to come. We can't always control what's going to come. Isn't that true? We have no control. We have no control what the doctor's going to say next week. We have to live our life trusting God. But be prepared to respond to what God has for us. And finally, be occupying until he comes. And as God's people, he called ten servants, delivered them ten pounds, and said unto them, Occupy until I come. In Luke 19, verse 12. That's what he wants us to do. It means to carry on the business of a banker or a trader. It means to invest our life into that which is eternal. It means to give of ourselves for others and the cause of Christ. It means to think about our faith promise, whether it pleases God. It means to take what we have and invest it into His kingdom and for His glory and for His honor instead of for ourselves and to live our life as occupants until that day when our Lord Jesus Christ comes back. The birth pangs, they're here. The baby is coming soon. Deliverance is on its way. Jesus is going to come. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.